So my aim is to ride them all down, <laughs> and then if there's anyone left, then bring in my run and kind of do what I have to do on the run. I mean, you've talked about the Commonwealth Games in 2006, Jim, you world cross-country champs the same year. I've been an athlete for 20 plus years. Um, if you never have any setbacks, maybe you get bored. Hi, welcome to the Pylon Ultra Pod. I hope you managed to listen to our last episode with Frederick Van Leert and supported by our series sponsor, Compre Sport. Frederick is an inspiring athlete no matter what your sport is. He's always looking to make small improvements in his training that translate into stronger performances come race day, which is why he's been partnered with Compre Sport for so long, because the detail matters with the kit and the clothing you use to race and train. Now, we've been very conscious about the mix of guests we've had on the show, so we were delighted when Compress Sports said they could set us up with some time to talk to one of their best female athletes. So we grabbed it with both hands and sorted out a call with one of the most successful triathletes on the planet, Melissa Hauschild. Mel has a very different background from Frederick in that she was a professional runner before she started racing triathlon. Running track and cross country early in her career, she has showed that devastating pace in many of her triathlon wins over the years. And there's a lot to choose from with 47 ITU Pro victories, a couple of 70.3 World Championship wins, the ITU Long Distance World Champion, and if that wasn't enough... Mel also holds the Ironman world record time, an astonishing 8.31. Mel recently gave birth to her baby daughter, who actually joined us on the call, uh, which only showed how she manages a professional career and her family at the same time. This is someone who never makes excuses and will find a way to get things done, so there will be lessons there for all of us. So here is the next episode of the Pylon Ultra Pod with Comprisport as James and I talk to Mel Hauschild. Hi James, it's been a few weeks since we last spoke on the podcast. Quite a lot has happened since then. The Frederick Van Leerd interview went down really well and we're both pretty inspired by his approach to training and his whole career. That thing about belief and writing that inside his helmet before his Ironman World Championship win certainly has been spinning around in my mind for some time now. And maybe with you too, as you set the fastest known time on the John Muir Trail only a week or two ago. How was that for you and how's the recovery been? It was um, it was great and um, it went really well, obviously. We took um, quite a chunk out of the record managed to get it under 22 hours which was really really pleasing um and actually both frederick and mike's interviews were resonating with me through that period um and you know mike's whole attitude of gratitude um where it was just being really thankful and i was really thankful for the amount of support i had out on the trail and just frederick's ethic was um was incredible and i guess we'll probably hear a wee bit more about that kind of ethic today but um also paul you you had a wee bit of an adventure as well um which we'll maybe hear more about in future episodes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a long, long couple of days running, hundred and eighty odd miles over the last couple of days. So uh, yeah, feeling a wee bit tired, but um, 
yeah, I think it was worth it, but I'll tell you that in a week or two when I get over it, probably. Um, so we'll probably just crack on and get to the good stuff. We've been really lucky to get a chance to chat to another incredible triathlete and runner this week, Melissa Howshield. Uh, possibly one of the most successful athletes in the sport with three world championships and almost 50 professional wins. Melissa is also part of the Comprisport family. Hi Mel, thanks so much for agreeing to give up some time and talk to us about your passion. We know how busy you must be right now. How's it going and where are you joining us from today? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm at home in Australia, um, in Noosa, Queensland. Um, yeah, just stuck nice. here, training, no racing for a little while, like everyone else around the world, I guess. Yeah, and I think before we maybe talk about the more recent stuff around the lockdown itself and how that's affected you and your training and your racing calendar, it'd be good to maybe talk first about how you entered the sport of triathlon. Uh, we mentioned we had an interview recently with Frederick Van Leerd, um, who spoke on the podcast and he talked about how he started in the sport and he'd quite an early focus on swimming. Um, how did you first get into the sport? Because I, I know your approach has been quite different from, from somebody like him. Yeah, um, so I was a runner, um, professional runner before triathlon. Um, and then in late 2010, I I just had a, quite a few injuries. I'd I just missed the Commonwealth Games um, for 2010 and just decided to buy a bike and, to keep fit. Um, I had a stress fracture at the time, so <laughs> I couldn't run. Um, so, yeah, just started riding. And then there was a half Ironman um, in October just up the road from me um, in 2010. So yeah. I decided to enter that. Um, it, they didn't have... It wasn't called the professional category then. There was elite or age group. So I was able to race yeah. as an elite. I didn't have to have a pro license. And I, I won that. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'll just give this a go for a little while until I'm, you know, well over my injuries and back running. And and then I didn't look back. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, stuck it out and kept doing triathlon. And does it just run in the blood of people from Australia that they can all swim pretty well because uh most of us here just couldn't pick up triathlon we, we can do the cycling most of us and the running's good but the swimming is something that a lot of us struggle with yeah well i guess all aussies you know we, we do grow up in the water i grew up at the beach and um yeah. i could always you know tread water and, and keep myself afloat and stuff but i never actually swum i i never liked swimming and um, I actually got my mum to write me notes when I was in primary school to get out of swim classes because I just hated swimming. <laughs> um, I loved playing yeah, in the water, funny. but I, I hated swimming. So, um, yeah, kind of shot myself in the foot there because that was my weakest leg. I, The first half Ironman I did, I, I think I came out five or six minutes behind in the swim but luckily I could yeah. run to, to catch up and win. Yeah, I'd quite like to talk about that maybe later on, about um, where you place your focus on things like that, because there's, there's differing views about, um, you know, do you work on strengths or do you work on your weaknesses? But um, we're, we're both runners, obviously, and most of our audience is connected to competitive running in some way. Now, you have incredible strength and talent as a runner. Um, it'd be good to maybe talk about your running history, first of all. So I think people would be keen to hear more about the level you've raced at and the variety of races you've done just because even just looking through you know your website and stuff there's been you've raced so many different types of races and uh, formats as well it's been quite incredible to um to understand where where you've come from before you got into the sport of triathlon 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I started running when I was 11 years old um, in cross country. Um, when I was 12 year, years old, I won the, the national cross country champs and, and then I kind of got hooked there. So I did cross country and track. Um, and then in, well, when I was 15, um, the steeplechase came in for, for girls. Um, sorry, yeah. I thought I'd have a go at that as well. So that's um, 3K on the track with, with five big hurdles each yeah. lap. Um, so, yeah, I raced distances from 800 metres up to mainly up to like 5K. I did a couple of 10K road races, um, but nothing much over that. And then here I am running a marathon off the bike now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, <laughs> That's crazy, I competed yeah. in um, World Cross Country. Um, I went to the Com Games in 2006, got second. But um, yeah, I, I never made the Olympics. I just kept getting injured before it. And I think that's what made me swap to triathlon. I I just kept trying and trying. Um, 2004 was the first year that I really thought I could give the Olympics a go and got injured and then 2008 and another four years, another four years. And I was just like, oh, I'm over this. I'm just going to try a new sport. <laughs> yeah, those four-year cycles must be really tough eh? because if the timing's wrong of an injury, then you're kind of wiped out and you have to wait another four years to try and get back in that same kind of shape again and get the opportunity to, um, to compete at that level. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I just... Every time they rolled around, I just I, I was injured and I just couldn't get there. And you know, I was in shape for the, the three years between it. And I remember the first one in in two thousand and four, and everyone said, "Oh, you're so young, you got plenty of years." And, and then the next one came, yeah. and the next one came, and then you know, <laughs> before you know it, I'm like, I'm, I'm not the the young one now, and I, I still haven't made it. And yeah, it was just it was really frustrating. And when I did triathlon the you know my very first full year as a pro 2011 I won the world champs and I just thought well, maybe I'll have better luck at at this sport I, I won't get injured just before all the major races <laughs> yeah I think it probably says something about your character though because there's been a lot of very talented runners who have had similar situations and they get injured around um these big competitive cycles or four-year cycles and stuff and then they just kind of disappear and maybe they've been quite um tied to that identity of i'm a runner and that's what i need to be focused on and then because they can't do it they almost disappear from sport altogether whereas i don't know you, you seem quite positive about it and thought well i'm going to try that for a bit and see what happens yeah well my, my intentions were always to go back to running um i just kind of yeah. thought i would do that half ironman and see how i go um but you know, there's, there's no money in running um, unless you are winning the, the Golden yeah. Leagues, you know, every week. There's You just can't survive. And um, I was struggling. I, I was a massage therapist as well. I was massaging 25 people a week between training. And, wow. um, yeah. and yeah. you know, that was only paying my medical bills <laughs> for all my injuries. Yeah. So when I realized how much money was in triathlon um, compared to running, I just thought, oh, maybe I can just give this a go for a year, get my bank balance up and then go back to running. But then I fell in love with triathlon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really interesting. And where we briefly touched on it there, where do you sit on the theories around investing your time in the areas where you are weakest? So, for example, you spending loads and loads of time working on your swimming technique versus 
you know, getting even more from where your strengths lie. So actually, you know, continuing a really strong focus on your running because they're, they're kind of separate theories and I'm, I'm not sure where I sit on them myself personally. Yeah. Um, so when I first started, I found the run quite, for me, it was like a really long way to run 21K off the bike, but I kind of had to keep telling myself, slow down, slow down. Um, so I, I knew I was fit enough on the run. So, and because I'd had a lot of stress fractures, I thought, well, I should work on the, the swim and the bike. So um, yeah. I spent hours and hours on the bike. Um, even for 70.3, I'd ride up to 600K a week and just get all my base work yeah. on the bike. Um, yeah. I was only running 40 to 50K a week, which was nothing for a runner. A runner's running well over 100. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I got my base off the bike. Um, swimming, swimming, I went both ways, like some – at the start, I started swimming like 30K a week thinking I, you know, i got to catch up on swimming. I've never swum in my life. Um, and then I wasn't improving at all. So I swam 10K yeah. a week and I was still swimming the same time. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I just pushed that aside, just going, well, my swim's where it is. Um, I just got to get my bike and run stronger. And, um, yeah, so my main focus has been the bike um, throughout my whole triathlon career. And yeah, yeah I, th- I think the all the years of running has has helped me, but I think the bike transfers really well to the run as well, and less injury risk yeah. for the bike. So yeah. And then is that something that that you focus on in the race itself? Then so obviously um, your run itself in a lot of your races has been pretty devastating, where you've maybe been behind coming out from the swim, and then you've clearly worked hard on the bike to to, to get some places back, and then you've got this confidence maybe is that is that a confidence that you actively work on in the run that you know you'll be able to reel some people in or is that something that it's just that years of running experience and and ability that you've that you know you have uh, when you need it yeah i i guess i was lucky that i picked up the bike really fast um and other than my first or even my first race i think i got off the bike second or third um so i didn't have to run too many people down so my aim yeah. is to, to ride them all down <laughs> and then if there's anyone left, then bring right. in my run yeah. and kind of do what I have to do on the run. Um, so, yeah, I've been lucky that my bike's been strong as well and I've been able to make up what I lose in the swim there usually. Yeah, I guess there must be some uh, some worried athletes when halfway through the bike ride you're already passing them and then they'll know they're going to have a tough time when they get to the run um, to try and reel you back in. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. It's a it's a pretty good weapon to have in your armory, that isn't it? To know that your strongest leg's your last leg. Um, so anything anything can happen at that point. A bit like the the, the Brownlee brothers, they they always pride themselves on their their running legs as well. Um, Mel, it's so good to chat to you and um, having studied your um, career um, ahead of this. The longevity is something that really impresses me. You know, I mean, you've talked about the Commonwealth Games in 2006, um, the, the you world cross-country champs the same year and a couple of years later in Edinburgh, of all places. Um, right through mm-hmm. to um, setting some blistering times only a couple of years ago, which we'll, we'll maybe talk about later at the 70.3 discipline. Um, but more recently, um, you had an injury. I was looking up, you had an injury setback last year. And, and with that longevity and that career behind you, I was just wondering how... 
how that felt, like, how, how do you recover from that and how do you keep the hunger going with everything else that's going on in your life? What, what did you learn from yourself um, through that? Uh, yeah, I, my last injuries have been um, endofibrosis in the, so the kinked arteries, um, so it shuts off blood flow to my legs. So that's really, uh, it put me out for quite a few years that first came on in 2016. Um, and I've kind of been dealing with it <laughs> since just only at the end of 2018, I had the, the second leg operated on, um, to fix that. Uh, so yeah, that's other than that, like it, it's, I've been pretty injury free through triathlon. I think there's a lot more balance to the body in triathlon rather than in running. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I guess it's just the way you you're made to if you get endofibrosis or not. Not everyone gets it. It's not. I guess it is a, a bit of an overuse injury. Um, being on the bike for for so long, um, you know, kinking arteries. But yeah, that's that's been a tough one because it's it's kind of wiped me out of Kona every year. Um, yeah. Twenty sixteen, I was I was in the shape of my life. I really thought that was going to be my year at Kona and I didn't make it to the finish line <laughs> and then um yeah the next year I had the the operation for it but the operation went wrong and I almost bled to death and then I had another operation and then I raced Kona in 2017 but I was not in good shape I I had no blood left in me I was really fatigued um so yeah just made it to the finish line there and and then the other legs started playing up for, for 2018. Um, yeah, so it's been a bit of a rough run um, for Kona, but I've been able to win good races every year with the leg condition, but but only over 70.3, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's something in being able to manage that, right? Because you can either choose to take that as a setback and a stop, or something you work round and through, and I guess you you've taken the attitude that you know you you work with it, you work round it, and you've still had some incredible results since then. But also we can hear a guest in the background um, as well, which is super cool. Um, as well as dealing with that, also you've recently become a mum. Um, and um, what what age is your kid now? Six months. Six months. Wow. Wow. These are these are amazing times. I've got a couple of young kids as well, and it's um it certainly changes your approach to training. Um. And and funnily enough, I found when I had kids, I become I became more competitive because the time became more precious. So I wanted to make the best use of it. So I was I was wondering how that's worked out for you as you've got back into training. Um, do you, are you giving yourself more slack? Is there a different perspective do you have to things? Because um, clearly you're still um, very very much at the top of your game. So I was just wondering how that's worked out for you. Yeah. Um. So at the end of 2018, I I had the operation to to fix my other leg and. Um, then I, I thought oh, I got plenty of time. I had that in October 2018 and I thought oh, I've got plenty of time to build up slowly. And, um, in March, 2019, I was out on a bunch ride and I had a pretty spectacular crash and messed myself up and ripped my tricep off and broke my collarbone. And, yeah. um, oh, the surgeon nice. told me you won't be racing for a good six months. Like you can't even wait there on that arm for six months yes. and so I kind of thought oh my god I'm just having a horror run I'm, I'm gonna have a kid <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we um, Dakota was born um, January this year, so 2019 was out with my bike crash and having her, and um, yeah, and now COVID, so there's there's no races, so I've I've been able to um, you know build up slowly, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm really lucky. My husband works half days; he's really helpful, and I get up at four in the morning. I, I feed Dakota. I take off for training, get back, tag team. <laughs> he goes off to work. And then he's home by like one one thirty, and then I'm out the door again, and so it's working really well. Um, and I'm absolutely loving it. Like, like you said, you you've got less time, so you really make it count. <laughs> she wants yeah. to start talking, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, there's just no wasted time. Uh, just get everything done, no stuffing around, and yeah, it's working well. Mel, I wondered if. Um the COVID thing, maybe the timing of that's actually been been good for you in some ways and that do you feel like it's it's taken some pressure off in terms of getting back into full training and any pressure from sponsors or anything as well, maybe? Yeah, I I think the positives of it is that I get to spend Dakota's first year at home rather than being on the road, yeah, travelling yeah. all the time. Um like I I I've got enough time to get in all my training. I um, I trained, I was really lucky. I trained right through my pregnancy with no problem. I, I ran the morning of her birth. Um, so I kept really, <laughs> um, I kept it, um, healthy, no problems. As soon as she was out, I was, I was good to go again. Um, but yeah, so I, a bit of mixed feelings. Like it's been two years of no racing now. That's, that's tough. Yeah. But I do keep thinking that you know I'm I'm home with her. I'm not <laughs> packing her in a suitcase and travelling from race to race all over the world. So yeah, it's probably nice. <laughs> and and that's the thing, right, Mel? It's the end of the day. Races will come back, but the first six months of your daughter's life will never happen again. So you, you kind of got to have that perspective. And it sounds like you're making the most of enjoying that time, but still getting yourself ready for when the opportunity comes back for for races to be on the calendar again. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing too. Like, um, you know, some mornings, um, you know, I'll just have a sleep in and I'll miss a session here and there. And I knew, I know, I'm keeping fit enough that when we get the green light, um, you know, it's it's full on, head down, bum up. But um, but yeah, like you say, uh, if if I want to miss a session at the moment, I I can and I can hang with her for a bit and not stress that you know I've got a race next week. Um. But yeah, hanging out to race though. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are, yeah, but you're desperate. We're all kind of chomping at the bit, I think, to get back into that. And which is why, particularly in ultra running, there's been a lot of these fastest known times or people, you know, finding some really challenging routes and trying to go out and get some element of, of kind of racing or competing anyway, albeit you're not kind of head to head as you would be normally. I wondered if um, maybe we could have a quick chat about women in sport and triathlon in particular. Um, now in ultra running, maybe a year or two ago, there was quite a amount, quite a fair amount of conversation, mostly on social media about prize money being different, and we've had bigger conversations, obviously in more mainstream sports like tennis and the number of sets that male and female athletes play, um, the big pro cycling tours obviously being heavily male centric. Now, 
obviously there's been some quite big household female triathlon names um, over the years. Um, how challenging is it to be a professional triathlete and is there anything that you think the sport is doing really well that other sports could learn from? Because triathlon, they're, they're kind of ahead of the game sometimes, you know, in the way that people train and the way that the sport's administered maybe. So I'd keen to see if you think there's any learnings from there or things that are doing well in terms of women in sport or things that are being done badly, you think? Yeah, uh, like you said, I think triathlon is so ahead of the game. Um, with tennis, you know, they're, they're not even playing five sets yet, the girls, um, uh, and they're not getting the same prize money. And um, I don't know what it is, like, with sponsors, um, retainers and stuff like that for, for the males, but triathlon, we get the same prize money, we get to do the same distance. Um, so I think we're really, really lucky there. Um so, yeah, I don't, the other sports need to look at look at what we're doing, I guess. Yeah, and you think you think there's enough support when uh, you choose to have a baby or something because that's that's something that's that's quite difficult, even just outside of sport. You know, in normal careers, that there's this view that um, you know it's easier to promote men because they're going to be there longer term and, and women take time off to um, uh, start a family or, or stuff like that as well. So you think there's enough support there for women in sport generally or? Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. She's <laughs> having fun. Um, yeah. Again, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, the guys are getting paid from sponsors and all that. My sponsors have been really good through the pregnancy. Um, yes, so I, I guess it probably is easier to to get a male on board and advertise them because you, you know they're not going to be taking time off to have a baby. Um, but, yeah, from my perspective, like I, I've been treated really well, really fairly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's been all right. <laughs> And and that's that's good to hear from a a sporting context. Um, I, I was talking to Paul just before um, we started recording, Mel, and even just the post-COVID return to sport for a lot of sports. When you look at sports like say soccer, football, um, and um, basketball, and some of the big sports around the world, it, it certainly my experience in the UK it feels like women women's sport is a secondary thought. There's been no. Um, you know, path to returning women's football in the UK back, yet the, all, all the major leagues are talking about how they're back up and running, but they're not really, right? Because it's only the men's league and it's only the top leagues that are up and running. And it kind of always still feels like this is showing some of that polarisation. And I hope it brings the conversation to the forefront here, because I think it's equally important and equally inspiring to see someone like yourself, for example, who's come back from the injuries you've just talked about, set some of the times you've talked about whilst managing those injuries and then chosen to have a baby but still going to come back to compete. It's really quite inspiring. I see quite a lot of that across women in sport and I think I think it's harder to do that. So I, I really hope that brings that conversation up across all sport. Um, but it's great to hear triathlon at least is looking after that, which is great. Um, yeah. You mentioned yeah. training. Yeah, because, yeah, like, um, yeah, the, the football, the soccer the tennis, you know, um, it wasn't even that long ago that the tennis players were off having a baby and they were lost their contracts or they were cut yep. down 50 yeah. or something. So, um, yeah, I don't don't think that has happened in triathlon or not that I know of. So, I, yeah, I think we're really lucky. Yeah, and that, and that should be the way it should be the way it is. You know, you should be able to 
choose to have a, a family because fundamentally you guys as females have to go through the biggest biological change, right? There's no getting away from that. But it shouldn't curtail your career. It should just be a, a part of the journey. So, no, that's great. And actually, when it comes to training, um, some of the most dedicated, pe dedicated people I know um, are the ones who seemingly have a lot going on and you could be regarded as being time poor as in you've got family you've got career you were talking about doing 25 massages a week whilst trying to train full-time as a runner whilst probably trying to do all sorts of other things within your, your life and we coach um a lot of ultra running athletes and often we'll get pushback um from people who it just seems that they can't find the time to manage sessions and it might only be 50 minutes a day and imagine you're training on average sometimes two three four hours a day when you're doing your morning and your evening sessions plus all your your strength and mobility that goes along with it um, and you're doing that across multiple disciplines right um is there any advice you would give to people who see themselves as time poor but want to train well but can't seem to make the can't seem to be organized for that is there any advice you'd give them yeah i, I always say that um people that want to turn pro um that you know are working full-time i'm like don't don't stop your job fully like keep doing a little bit i said you've got to keep yourself kind of busy if you want to get everything in <laughs> it doesn't make sense but when i yeah. um i moved um up to noosa from the city and i was still massaging there and i was driving 45 minutes to my pool and i had so much going on but i got everything in and then i moved up here and the pool's three minutes away and I wasn't working as a massage therapist. I, all I had to get in was my training and somehow I couldn't get it in. <laughs> because yeah. you, you sleep in, you stuff around, you, you've got all day to do it. And then, yeah, you just, your time management goes out the window. Um, so like now, you know, I, I plan everything. I, I know what time I've got to be where. And even if I'm training on my own, if I plan to be there at 10 o'clock, I'll be there at 10 o'clock. Um, yeah, when you've got too much time, <laughs> sometimes you just don't get anything in. Yeah, I think we've seen that quite a lot with uh, some of the athletes that we coach because of this lockdown and people are able to work from home so they have less structure in their life that they're, you know, they would usually get up at seven o'clock because they need to run at seven o'clock to get back, to get a shower, to get out to work. Whereas people are leaving it later in the day and then they're maybe feeling a bit lethargic by the time the afternoon comes and feeling some pressure that they haven't run already. And then the training seems to take a bit of a dip when you've got more time. Like you said, you yeah, you don't always make the most of that more time and sometimes being organized and only having that opportunity to train at a certain time is quite a useful thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like even now, like on a on a Tuesday, Thursday, I have two and a half hours to get um, my swim and gym done before my husband goes to work. And so, you know, you, you get your swim and your gym done. Whereas if you have the whole day, you might do your swim and like, I'll just do my gym later when I've got time um, or when I feel like it. And before you know it, it's dinner time. You haven't done your gym. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 You somehow pull everything in. <laughs> And we've seen often in, in ultra running, there's been some um, famous examples of runners. You mentioned, you know, keeping some sort of work going or some sort of structure. Um, and I, I've, I've often said, Mel, if I, um, if I didn't work full time, I don't think I'd be as good an athlete as I am because I would end up drifting during the day. I would, you know, that time would just get lost. And I, I see that when I have time off work, when I'm on holiday or what have you. But I've also seen the opposite where athletes who then give up their job, um, 
find themselves so focused on their training that it actually becomes detrimental to their overall performance. They either end up doing too much and overtraining or it becomes a big stress for them because it becomes everything to them. It's their, their whole life and their whole career is wound around this one thing, which may be running in the mountains or doing triathlon. So I think you're right. I think there's, there is a big thing around balance there. Um, and I think you can have too much or not enough. And it's just about finding the, the, the bit in between. And like as a, a runner, I had one run coach that he wouldn't let me study, work, do anything. He's like, no, you just have to run. I was like, well, what do I do in between? you got to sleep and rest. <laughs> and as a runner, you're only running like up to two hours a day. So there's a lot of hours to just sit around and think about the yeah. next question. And, you know, like this, that's more exhausting than actually going out and working or studying between. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's totally. not all that practical either, is it? You know, it's fine if you're sitting in some training camp somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you can you can maybe commit that time to lying about because you don't have many other things to do, but we've got normal lives as well and there's always stuff that's needing done at home or with family and friends and everything as well, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Mel, we've had a lot of conversations on this podcast across our, our, our two series so far about mindset. It's been about... A, big topic of conversation and every guest has always got some brilliant insight to bring on that um, how you get the best of yourself work towards ambitious goals um, in terms of yourself just to share with our audience what have been the biggest learnings from your training that maybe some new people either triathlon or runners or anyone who's just got a goal to achieve could benefit from is there any any silver bullets you could share um oh that's a tough one um, I, I guess I've always been really motivated and, and, and driven um, because I want to get the best out of myself. I, um, yeah, I guess I don't want to turn up to a race half done and I know no, nobody else will care, but I, I feel like then I haven't done the work. I haven't got the best out of myself. So um, I think that helps me get out of bed early every morning and, and get the work done and, um yeah, I... and how how do you deal with setbacks, Mel? Because obviously that's something that you're you're very strong at. Because you've had some some serious challenges in your career, even from running and then through to triathlon and and operations and whatever. But it doesn't seem to stop you. Whereas for a lot of people, it would be the end for them, or they just get so down and um, depressed about the situation that they 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 maybe give up and find something else to do but you you have a way of just continuing and 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 keeping a level head about things yeah uh, i kind of figure injuries come with the sport it's it's all part of it and stuff and um i i don't want to go out on an injury <laughs> i want to go out on my terms and i think that's why i just keep fighting back from the injuries and and maybe it maybe it keeps me motivated um because I know I'm, you, you know, if you never get an injury and you train, I've been an athlete for 20 plus years. Um, if you never have any setbacks, maybe you'd get bored. Um, so I think maybe yeah. that keeps me motivated and keeps me going. And um, I know coming back from an injury, you, you're so motivated the next race and you you can dig deeper and push harder. Um, like I remember after my operation, my second operation on the on the first leg when it finally worked and I, I got fit again and the first race mm. back I just I felt bulletproof I I felt so good because I I thought my career was over with that injury and yeah 
um, yeah, just it felt so awesome to be to be back and like I'd been given a second chance again. So maybe maybe that's why I, it <laughs> kind of helps getting injured sometimes. It keeps that motivation high. I think that's a really good point that, that people could see it as as an opportunity albeit you know it's not one that you wish to happen obviously you want to everybody wants to be able to train as normal right the way through but when something happens and you do have that opportunity because it does feel good when you start feeling better again and you you have that period where you're going from feeling relatively unfit to feeling really strong again it's quite a nice period when you're just training strong all the time the gains are relatively small aren't they you know you're, you're trying to tweak things and you're trying to push as hard as you can but um so maybe people could see that as an opportunity sometimes rather than um something terrible that's happened and um, it's not going to help them long term it mixes up the training a bit as well like you know if i get an injury where i can't run i'm, I'm on the elliptical and i'm doing that so then when i can run again i just i'm in love with it like i just like no more of that yeah. elliptical i get to run again or you know if you can't ride the bike and you, you're swimming 40k a week and you're like okay i don't have to swim that much now i can get back on the bike and um yeah so i think it just it mixes it up breaks it up and and when you can do what you love um with no problems you just yeah you're on a high yeah and maybe learn to appreciate that when you've got it back again eh? yeah uh, you've um You've raced so many events, both running on road, track, cross-country, triathlon, middle and full distance. Uh, you hold the Ironman world record, I think, at an incredible 8.31, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, has there been a race or a moment in a race that really stands out to you as something that shaped your career? So possibly not even a race win, but something that really triggered that drive or determination to get yourself to a new level? There's, there's been a few. I remember my my very first Ironman. Um, it was a disaster. I, I I somehow won it, but I had my nutrition totally wrong, and I was on the portaloo like every couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still remember that. After that, like I guess a lot of people would go, "Never again." I'm not touching Ironman again. But straight away, I was just like, "I got to do that again." <laughs> that was disaster. Yeah. I have to do that better. Um, so yeah, like you say, it's not always the wins that are the most rewarding. Sometimes it's when you really stuff up and you're like, I, I got to do that better. <laughs> um, so yeah, remember that. I, I guess the ones where you ha- it hasn't all gone to plan to, you analyze a bit more and and it helps you improve for next time. You you're like, well, I'm gonna better that. I'm gonna I'm not gonna stuff that bit up again and um yeah so there's been there's been quite a few like that um yeah 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 there's, i guess there's, there's certain times you can maybe be um not lazy isn't the right word but you can be a wee bit um relaxed about nutrition and stuff nutrition is obviously important for ultra runners too and you maybe think oh, i've kind of got it dialed and it'll be okay i'll just have some of that and I'll have some of that and when you go through those difficult situations it's then you realize i should have paid more attention to that you know and i'm not going to make that mistake again i'm going to make sure that my nutrition's spot on or my kit is spot on or um, my planning and uh, for the race itself is is more in depth yeah yeah even that just even your kit you know um some races i've had really bad chafing and everything and you're like well i gotta fix that for the for the next one and um but yeah when everything goes to plan or you win a race you know easier than you thought or something you don't 
learn anything from it. You don't then improve. You just keep doing the same thing. So, yeah. 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 Um, we talked earlier about the lockdown situation and how it might have it might have kind of come at a, a reasonable time for you coming back from um, the stuff that you had done and coming back into the sport and everything as well. And obviously, it's been a, an unprecedented time for all of us. There's been a complete shutdown and no travel, and almost all the races have been cancelled in the main kind of summer period of the season that we would normally have. You've generally travelled quite a lot and most pro triathletes are really organised with the planning of their training camps and peaking for races and um, they're, they're just, at times I see it compared to ultra runners, they're very organised and, and very clear and committed about what they're going to do and when. Um, so I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are next in terms of what you're looking to do and maybe plans haven't had to change radically because of the of the lockdown situation. I know when we spoke to Freddie a couple of weeks ago, some of the triathlons are opening up again and they've been postponed rather than uh, cancelled, which a lot of the running races have done. Um, what's what's the plan going forward? Yeah, I remember talking to um, actually Compressed Sport at the start of the year and I said, I'm coming over to Europe this year and, and then all... Yeah. all up and uh, I guess I'm not coming out of Europe this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, this year I I have no idea. Like we apparently have races from September, but it's still yeah. all up. Yeah, we've just had massive outbreaks down south, so I'm not even sure if those races will will still go ahead. If there'll be anything this year, um, so yeah, we'll just we'll just wait and see there. But once. The world gets going again hopefully next year um the plan was to, to go over to europe and i really want to do a good stint over there um i've done america a lot of times um yeah. for many many years so yeah i'm really keen to go to europe and and check out some, some more races over that side and how will that work mel were you just will you travel as a family or will you travel on your own or no travel as a family yeah jared's work's really cool. flexible um He's a physio, yeah. so he can he can leave whenever. Um, yeah. So he'll he'll come along and, and help out. Yeah. Brilliant. That would be a brilliant experience. Um, Mel, um, couple couple of things. Um, you live in a what what I see vicariously is a beautiful part of the world. I actually have a buddy I went to school with back in Glasgow who lives in Brisbane and runs around the Noosa Trails a lot. Um, so when I seen that's where you were, I was I was just checking out some of his pictures and it looks amazing. Um, and obviously you've been in this sport a long time um, as well. Um, and I guess we, we were talking to Freddie um, a couple of weeks ago, he was thinking about his career beyond the sport um, and he was going to go and work with the, um, the military actually to do some some PT type stuff with them, maybe at a grander level than that. What 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 do you what do you what do you hope to get from the sport? You've obviously said you don't want to go out in an injury, but what do you hope to see as the rest of your career within the sport? And what what's beyond triathlon for you? Uh, yeah, I I still want a few more years in it because I really want to give Kona a good crack. <laughs> um, yep. And then and then I I still hope to compete in seventy point threes for. For quite a while, even if I just stay local, um, Oceania, mm. Asia Pacific, stuff like that, because um, mm. I just, I just love it. I, I still, you know, think I'll, I'll always get out and ride with the guys around here and go to swim squad. Um, you know, we have a really good squad here. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll keep competing for for quite a while yet, yeah, even if it's not at the highest level. Um, 
And then after that, I'd, I'd love to pass on my knowledge, I guess, to the, to the younger generation. Um, I actually really enjoy massage as well, more sports massaging and fixing injuries and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd be keen to do, do that again. Um, yeah, and maybe a bit of coaching. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see you take to the trails, Mel, and start doing some longer running races after you've finished with triathlon. I think um, it'd be pretty incredible to see uh, your speed combined with your endurance on some of the faster ultra races, maybe. I actually have said that. I, <laughs> I want to do, um, yeah, trail racing and also like Xterra and um, those swim yeah. runs and all, all those crazy events that you mountain biking that you don't, fully do when you're training to make sure you don't get injured but, yeah. Um, yeah yeah I'd love to some of the some of the exterra races look amazing don't they because they're always in amazing locations just looks like a lot of fun yeah and mountain biking so much fun like um we have really good mountain bike trails here and but i only do it in the off season um over christmas and stuff <laughs> and then my husband's like okay put the mountain bike away <laughs> yeah too risky yeah brilliant well Mel, this has been fascinating and you and Dakota have been amazing guests. Um, we only have 10 more questions to go. Um, now, that might sound a lot, <laughs> but they're actually either-or questions. We call it our fast twitch round. And I kid you not, Mike Wardian was timing himself on this because he wanted to win it and be the fastest. So quite just a wee bit of fun, either-or questions. Um, you don't have to give any explanation. Just give your gut feel for, for what one you want to go with. So I'll go first and then Paul will go next and all you have to do is give an answer. So we'll kick off. Um, question one, pizza or pasta? Pizza. Cycle or run? Run. Oh. Philosophy <laughs> or psychology? <laughs> so that was philosophy psychology. or psychology. Psychology. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Sea or pool? Sea. Music or books? Books. Hope or optimism? Optimism. Lion or tiger? Tiger. Road or trail? Trail. Tri suit or wetsuit? Tri suit. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> nice one. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> fun. Thanks for doing those. <laughs> oh, that was cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. We really appreciate it. I think we'll probably wrap it up there. We've taken enough of your time. We're close to 50 minutes there, I think, and we'll let you get back to your afternoon or evening. Have you more training to do later today? Yeah, uh, me and Dakota are going to go for a pram run. <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. nice. <laughs> She's hanging out for a speedy it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what all the noise has been. She's like, take me out. <laughs> she loves the trails there. Like, obviously, you can't really take a pram off-road too much, but she loves the bumps. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes that's fine. That's excellent. <laughs> and uh, Mel, where can people find out more about you or just follow what you're doing? I'm assuming you're obviously on social media and is there a website that you'd like to direct people to or a particular social media account? Yeah, yeah. Um, so everything, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter's all just Mel Hauschel. Um, and my website is melissahauschel.com. Cool. You might have some strange ultra runners starting to follow you, Mel, so don't be too too uh, put oh, out by yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over to Europe. 
<laughs> yeah, we're a funny bunch. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the point. Like, my try career. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, we hope it wasn't too painful for you and we wish you all the very best for the rest of the year and whatever you decide to do next. And we hope next year is your year at Kona. Um, I'm sure it's it's there. Uh, an amazing race at Kona is on, on your cards, I'm sure. Um, so please let us know, especially um, if it's going to be running in some form later on past triathlon we'd be keen to uh, catch up with you again anyway and maybe you'll come back on the show at some point so thanks so much for joining us thank you so much Mel thank you that was so great to talk to Mel what really stood out to me was that even when she couldn't run something that her life and her identity was closely tied to she didn't give up or sit back feeling sorry for herself She found something else that might give her the same fulfilment and excitement that her running did. I think that's quite important. It's important that you stay on course and that you are doing something that you're really passionate about. Something that gets you really excited or gives you that hell yeah feeling when an opportunity arises. I think at the moment, especially with all of us adapting to this new normal post-COVID-19, there's a temptation to just say yes to absolutely everything. To take on every challenge you can, every FKT opportunity and any old race that manages to negotiate local laws and start. We're all guilty of saying yes to things that don't bring us true value and it's something that we should be much more aware of now as the demands and opportunities will be coming thick and fast. From meetings where you don't need to be there to group runs that only hold you back. The entrepreneur Derek Sivers wrote a rule for himself when he created CD Baby, a company which he sold for over $20 million. The rule was pretty simple and works when you're either overcommitted or too scattered. If you're not saying hell yeah about something, then say no. So if you're having a think about what to do next in terms of racing or adventures, if you feel anything less than wow, that would be amazing, then say no. We're all super busy, we've all taken on too much. Saying yes to less is the way out. When you're prepared to say no, you leave room in your life to throw yourself fully into the things that make you say and feel hell yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more, then please subscribe, leave us a comment and share it on social media. You can take a screen grab and tag us in with your favourite quote or takeaway from the episode. Huge thanks to CompreSport for supporting the series. CompreSport creates some of the very best technical performance running and multi-sport clothing. The designs and the fabrics are always evolving as the apparel is pushed to its limits by some of the best endurance athletes in the world, people like Melissa. You can check it out at CompreSport.com. We'll be back soon with more of these conversations on living the ultra life where we'll talk further about the people, the places, the culture and the training behind our running lives. I'm Paul Giblin. And I'm James Stewart. And you've been listening to the Pylon Ultra Pod. Boom.